0: Well, good, morning. good morning. I was asked earlier if I prefer this weather to last week, and I certainly prefer this one this week. Because uh, last week's weather is, you, you guys got a preview of what it's like in the Philippines half of the time. Yeah. And some of you are probably wondering, oh, it's not so bad, then it's just half of the time. Yeah, it's the hot season, but and then after that, it's the hotter season. I told you last time, (laughs) and so in the city where I'm from, the record I think was uh, 51 degrees, 51 degrees, so I was asking 46, are you serious, so 51 degrees, it's almost the temperature of a rare steak, isn't it, (laughs) (laughs) so you go out, take a shower, and you're already rare, you know, Uh, you're already sweating, actually, And, uh, and it's sticky, it's sticky there, you know, you breathe the air and uh, you're almost like baking uh, from the inside. But uh, we find ways to thank the Lord. He's still good. Uh, that's why our collar is like this, you know. Medium rare, the collar. You guys are half-baked, a lot of you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we praise and thank the Lord for, um, uh, for, for this relationship, for this uh, opportunity that He's given to us. And... Um, I don't know, Pastor Dennis. He always invites me when he's out. No, in a way, I pray that he's uh, doing all right. Um, I I heard you guys are going through a series in the in the Psalms. Uh, one of the things that the Psalm taught, Psalms taught me was that God is our teacher. He's our teacher. He's not only our Father. He's not only our God, our guide, our companion. He is also our teacher. Psalm 25 says that to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. And listen to this. He said, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. So this, this psalm and many verses, many passages like this teach that uh, God is our teacher. And um, ultimate fulfillment of this was when Jesus came, he came as a teacher, didn't he? He came actually as a rabbi and he called people to become his disciples matetes that's that's the word for learners right he called people to become his learners to learn from him he invited people to come to him those who are weary and, and heavy laden and he'll give them rest and he 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 teaches them that the path the, the way to life he said i am the way the truth and the life and and part of the the meaning of that Jesus is the truth is that he, he tells us the truth about what it means to be human. He, 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 we, we, we all know that Jesus is truly God and he is truly human. When he came here, he showed us what it means to be truly human. We don't know what it means to be truly human because from page two of the Bible, we have sinned and we have forfeited the life that God has designed for us, right? Right? And all we knew was a life that is, well, actually the Bible describes the life that we have as a dead life. We're spiritually dead, all of us born that way. And so we don't know what it means to live, live, right? But when Jesus came, he was more, he was alive. He was walking with God, he was walking in the spirit. He showed us how to live. He showed us what it means to live as a human being under God's authority he teaches us and he invites us to be his disciples right and there's no better time to be a disciple of Jesus than right now i'm really glad that we can gather like this it's about time isn't it <laughs> the, you know we, we can like brad said you know we can we can look each other you know in the philippines we we are very nonverbal right our culture is very nonverbal like in, in here, what you say, that's it. That's, you know, that's what you mean, right? In the Philippines is not like that. We have to look at the body language. We have to look at the face. Sometimes people would say yes, but actually they're saying no through their facial expression, right? I mean, it's tough, you know? Um, if you want to be just straightforward, it's going to be tough living in a place like the Philippines because we're very nonverbal. So we look at facial cues. We look at, you know, um, body language, and it's just so good that that uh, i i can see you guys you know um right now your smiles it's it's precious it's precious for me um but right now it's it's a it's a golden opportunity there's um there's some research some some statistics or projections that are are given out there one out of five churches are not going to reopen anymore did you know that after the pandemic's over one out of five 30 percent of people would no longer opt to come in person because they've learned how to just shop for church online right and whoa it's very convenient you know and so there, there, people are going to be f- drawn further and further away now is the time that we have to be <coughs> real disciples of jesus learners jesus he invites people to be his disciples and um, i'm going to read a passage in luke chapter 14 where jesus addresses a crowd of people you know you know jesus he starts talking he starts making wonderful things and people large crowds would follow him this is This is an example of that situation where there's a large crowd who was accompanying him and he turned to them. And this is what he said in Luke chapter 14. I want you to listen very carefully. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He continues, in case they missed it. He says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You'll start to realize there's a theme to what he's saying, right? There's there's this phrase that he already mentioned twice, and he's going to mention it again. But before he does, he says, for which of you desiring to build a tower, this is verse 28, does not first sit down and count the cost And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. Now listen to the final statement. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's the third time. The third time he mentioned that statement, cannot be my disciple. We live in a day and age when it's very easy for people to profess, to claim that they're followers of Jesus, right? Last time, when I appreciate if you guys remember, I asked two questions. Do people know that you're a Christian? It's probably easy, you know. Yes, people around me know that. I'm. Then I ask you, do people around you know that you really love the Lord? Because it's, it's not supposed to be two questions, right? It's supposed to be this one and the same. But the fact of the matter is a lot of people can simply claim to be Christians, but John 15, this is this is by this my father is glorified, he said, that you bear much fruit. And so what? And so prove to be my disciples. Talk is cheap. But we have to bear fruit. Right? Because Fruit-bearing is something that happens when we are abiding in Jesus. That's why earlier when we were composing the Sunrise Song, which I love by the way, I said He is with us and He is in us. If, if Jesus resides in you, if you have become His dwelling place, if after redeeming you, He now dwells in you, so that once again God would show forth who He is, His nature, His character. That's the very reason why He created us. Right? So that we, would, we are created in, in His image. We would reflect what kind of a God He is. If there's an alien from another planet, I'm not saying there is, but like just, just bear with me. If there's an alien from another planet, and they're like, oh, we want to know what God is like. God is like, okay, look at the humans that I've created. That's, the, that's, the, that's our divine purpose. That's why He created us in His image. He gave his breath of life in us, ruwak, the spirit of life, because God's intention was to be in us. He is our very life. But God gave us the option whether or not we would live that way. That's why he said, okay, you may or may not, but in that day that you eat of that tree, you shall what? You shall surely die. Notice, he said, In that day, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And a lot of people are confused with this because Adam and Eve lived 900 more years after that. But God said, In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Because what happened, I think, is that the life that was in them, God's very own life, departed from them. And from then on, humanity has been separated, alienated. That's what the New Testament describes it. We're spiritually dead. But God has been planning to restore that life to us and he did that and we know that now through Jesus. The mystery, Christ in you. And God was able to restore that life because he first died and paid the penalty. His blood became the sanitizer so that God can once again put his life back in us. That's what it means to be saved. He is our life. Whoever has the son has life. And this is something that I, I, when I talk to young people, old people, people who claim to be Christians who are simply passively waiting to receive eternal life in the future, I tell them, no, eternal life is something that you can receive right now. You are dead in your trespasses, but He can make you alive right now. You can start living right now when you receive Jesus as your Lord, your Savior, your Master, your King. When when you decide to enter the kingdom, the king enters into you. What an amazing, only God can think about these things. You can't make this up. He offers, he opens his kingdom again to the rebels, rebels, formerly, right, all of us. But the way it works is that we enter into his kingdom, but the king himself enters into you. And he becomes your life. So when you have him, the life that Jesus has is eternal life. That's why you have eternal life. Indestructible. Did you guys know that? That you have an indestructible life. And you are indestructible until God calls you home. This past pandemic, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anxiety. And I had to remind a lot of people, guys, you are, you are indestructible. You just continue to follow Him, continue to serve Him, and if He calls you already, then you're home. Aren't you excited about that? Then they realize, okay, maybe they're not sure. Right? Guys, I hope you are excited. I mean, I I love that song that we sang, actually. My favorite song is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. But then when we sang, I cast all my cares, I realized, oh, that's my favorite song. And then you sang, I love you. And then, and then, that's actually, that's my real favorite song. So you sang, we sang three of my favorite songs uh, this morning. But that, that song, the, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And right now, we have a faint view, glimpse of what he's like. We read about him. He is with us. His spirit is dwelling in us. But then in the future, we shall see him face to face. Guys, there's... There's not going to be a better day than that day. I'm excited for that. But in the meantime, we're here. right? In the meantime, we get to continually learn how to live by His abiding, indwelling presence. He invites all of us to become His disciples. But Jesus says here, if anyone comes to me, and does not hate don't you are you not surprised with that word i mean the first time I, I i read this this is like a shocking statement why lord why would why in the world would you say this right, of course it's like it's a figurative language right he's saying your love for me has to be beyond comparison it's it's here right and when you compare all the other relationships in your life, your mother, your your closest, the people closest to you, it should be so far, it's like love and hate. That's, that's, that's the essence of what he's saying. But then, when he said that, he said, if you can't, if you don't do it, if, if, if you don't love me with a superior kind of love, then forget it. You can't be my disciple. You can't. Again, we live in a day and age when we over-superly emphasize the, the freeness of grace, and it is free. Grace is absolutely free. There's nothing that you you do to... to to earn, to deserve it. It's all God. Right? And yet, Jesus here says, if you look at me and you don't love me with a superior kind of love, then forget it. You cannot be my disciple. Superior love. Everybody say, superior love. That's what Jesus demands because that's what Jesus deserves. He is worthy of your unchallenged love your supreme love, because he's altogether lovely. And if we don't have this kind of a love for Jesus, then I wonder, do you really know him? That's why he can speak this way. But then he continues, he said, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. Right? And nowadays, it's, um, it's a different picture. The cross is a, is a fashion thing, you know, it's a symbol, it's an art, you know. And, and people put it in places that's like, beautiful and to enhance the experience, to remind of the, the grace, the forgiveness and everything. But back then, when Jesus was saying this, they would have been, if they were shocked in the first statement, they would have been more shocked in the second statement. Because to carry a cross, they know what it means, right? A person carrying a cross is a person that is judged, you know? You're, you're guilty and you're going to the cross. And this is, this is not the most efficient way to kill someone, actually, the cross. This is actually s- supposed to prolong the agony of the one who is supposed to die on the cross. This is where we get the word excruciating, the cross. It's the most painful. To- it's torture, right? And the idea is to prolong the dying, you know, to be alive as long as he can be alive so that all the passers-by would see that person. And the Roman government is saying, this, that's their billboard, right? This is what happens when you mess up with Rome. The cross. So, this is... You carry your cross... Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. You're guilty. You're dead. That's when, when you're carrying a cross. And when a person cannot recognize those two things, he cannot follow Jesus. But another thing that this says is Jesus invites us to reckon ourselves dead already because you cannot be serving several masters right before we meet jesus we are basically the captain of our ship the master of our soul and he would have his reign unchallenged so the first statement he demands your exclusive uh, sorry your supreme love the second one he demands your exclusive loyalty to jesus you cannot be loyal to him and loyal to any other. In fact, this is this is how salve- This is the this is how he saves us, right? We we exchange our deadness to his life. And a lot of people don't understand this. Right? When I was a, a kid, I was presented the gospel, and I was just I was just. Um, Scared of hell, and see, so hell is scary, and it is true, right? But the fact of the matter is, Jesus proposes an exchange. Right? You can either hold on to your life, or let it go and receive mine. It's an exchange. It's entering the kingdom. That's why the requirement is repentance. First, you acknowledge that you're a rebel, and then you acknowledge that he is king, and then you bend the knee to this king. You return to his kingdom. That's why the gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. Right? The gospel of the kingdom. That's, That's how Jesus started his ministry, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. We omit that word now because people don't like the talk of king. People don't like the talk of someone else being the ruler. But that's what it means to receive the gospel, to see the kingdom, that that, that this earth, this this world, God has created it as part of his kingdom, but we rebelled. We are now rebel territory. Right? But the king comes, right? And if you're watching those epic movies, when the king of the bigger kingdom comes to a rebel territory, it's a scary thing because it's a day of reckoning. Right? When the, the king with his army goes to this rebel, the, the gates of this rebel territory, is, it's not good news first. It's bad news. That means we're going to see if your, your rebellion is going to stand. But the good news is that this king, this mighty powerful king, who's created everything, he is also merciful, and he gives a chance to everyone in this rebel territory, this earth, to return to his kingdom. He offers pardon, and he facilitates that offer through paying the penalty of our rebellion, Jesus. But to enter, to return to his kingdom requires repentance, a change of mind, an acknowledgement that you're a rebel, but now you are deciding to submit once again to his rule and reign and to start living under his authority. Not a lot of people understand this. People think, oh, I can just pray a prayer, and and that's it. I have received the grace. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. That's not how Jesus says it, right? It's, It's this idea of returning under his rule, under his reign. And it involves dying, he says. It involves dying. This is another misunderstanding of the gospel. A lot of people think the gospel spares us from death. No, 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 no. The gospel enables us to die with him so that he lives within us. That's the gospel. You still need to die. Or acknowledge your deadness, or however you want to put it. And unless you do that, Jesus says, you can't be my disciple you either have supreme love for me, exclusive loyalty to me, or you can't be my disciple. That's why you think about it. You, you count the cost, right? A lot of you probably you have your own house, you're still paying mortgage, right? When you, when, you, um, um, when you decided to buy that house, you did not go to, to that house and and say, okay, I like it, we're taking this. No, 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 you ask first, right? What, what's, the, what's the total price, you know, what would be the monthly, what's the interest rate? What, you, you make the calculation, and you think about whether or not you're willing to pay the price. That's what Jesus is saying here. And he's not talking about buying a house, he's actually talking about the biggest decision you're ever going to make in life, following him, returning to his rule. That is why, finally, he says, and listen to what he said in verse 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that you have, you can't be my disciple. He's talk, talking about total loss. He's talking about acknowledging that he, in fact, owns everything. He's talking about Colossians 1.16 where Paul says everything was created by him and for him. He's talking about realizing that you are not the owner of whatever it is that you have, but he is. You are a steward. That's how I understand renouncing all that you have. And saying, Lord, whatever it is that you have entrusted to me, is going to be for you. That's why when you give your offerings to the Lord, it doesn't mean that the, that is for the Lord and the remaining is for you. When you give your offering to the Lord, that's a token of your recognition that everything is for Him and everything is from Him. That's what it means to live in Christ, to walk in Him. Paul says in in Colossians 2, 6-ish, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so continue to walk in Him. That's different, that's, it's almost like a wrong grammar kind of sentence, right? You do, how do you walk in someone, right? We understand walking, we understand walking on something, but walking in someone, living in someone, that's, that's an entirely different thing. But to live in Jesus, that's what we are expected to do, right? And living and walking in Jesus involves living and walking for Him, living and walking with Him, living and walking through Him, and living and walking just like Him. That's what you are now empowered to do because Christ lives in you. A lot of people, when I start talking about this, they immediately realize, this is hard, this is tough. No, 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 no. It's not tough. It's not hard. It's impossible. It's impossible for you to do. And that's why He came, to make it possible for you once again to live the life that is supposed to be for you to live according to God's design for your life, living under His authority, living with His power, living through His guidance. That's the, that's the privilege, guys, that we have now. As followers of Jesus, we have the opportunity to live the life that God designed us, and, and Jesus modeled it for us first. He came and lived that way. He came and he lived under God's authority. Him being God, playing the role of creature, living under God's authority. But he says here, well, if, if not this, then forget it. You can't be my disciple. But the point here, guys, is not that Jesus calls us to a great sacrifice. It feels that way. But if you think of it, what, what do you get in return? You get to walk with Him. You get to learn from Him. You get to live by Him. You get to live through Him. That is why, and this, I I will close with this verse, so don't don't worry too much. Jesus said in a parable, the kingdom of heaven is like what? It's like a treasure, right? Hidden in a field. Okay? This is a one-verse parable. If there's one parable you want to memorize, it's going to be this parable. Okay? He says the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is like a treasure hidden in the field. Now, observe what the guy who found the treasure did, right? He sees this treasure and he buries it again. Not because he doesn't want it, but because he wants to go back home. And the, the parable says he gladly sells everything to buy this field. What's happening in this parable? Jesus is saying the person who has really seen the kingdom of God sees the value and the worth, and he knows without without even thinking a lot. He knows that the value of this is infinitely more than whatever it is in life combined. Jesus, brothers and sisters, is worthy of everything he calls you to lay down. He is. Can you say that? He is worthy. And so, Pastor, what are you saying? Are you saying if we don't have superior love for Jesus, we can't be... Are you saying if we cannot have exclusive loyalty to him, we can't... That's not what I'm saying. That's what Jesus is saying. I love Brad's prayer. That if, if there's anything that would be just coming from me, you can forget about it. But take note of what Jesus would say. is saying here. So this is, we are living in a time when it, this, we need to challenge people and we need to challenge ourselves. One of the least favorite things that I do is to talk to people and ask them to examine themselves whether they're really in the faith. That's one of the diff, most difficult things to do. But that's what Paul does. Right? He addresses the church, but then along the, the, along the you know, Along the way, he would say, "Examine yourself, guys, whether you're really in the faith, because you might, you might have received an adulterated kind of a gospel. You, it's probably not Jesus that you know. Of. Maybe it's a Jesse or Jesu or a different, a, a caricature of Jesus that the Bible does not know of. That's what a lot of people know today—a Jesus who is not worthy of your all." My wife and I, several years ago, maybe five years ago, we were preparing to be missionaries to Maldives because our hearts are burdened that there are still places around the world where the name of Jesus is not famous. In fact, there are places, there are people groups around the world that they haven't even heard the name of Jesus. We're offended. We're like, Lord, send us there. That's why I became a dive instructor. I don't know if I, I, I shared that last time. I studied to become a dive professional so we can go to creative access nations where it's illegal to do Christian work, right? The Lord said, we're going undercover. We're going underground. We're going to set up a business there, but then our real intention is to make disciples, plant churches underground. But then the Lord he sent us here canada we never thought that canada is a mission field because you know the missionaries that came to the philippines they look like you you know um and and so we're like oh this this is not a mission but then we came here and we start talking to people people in churches people and then then we got invited to speak in some you know millennials um gathering then I started talking about Jesus. I started about talking about what God is doing in parts of the world and what his disciples, his children are doing. And then after three hours, three hours, I, you have to stop me, if, bro, if I'm already past my time. But, but I was serving in a tribal environment when, where sometimes you have to you talk for, for five hours, you know. After the first hour, I would sit down and they would be like, no, pastor, you go back up there. We walked nine hours going here and you're not, <laughs> you're not going to stop teaching. So I got used to that. So when I was talking to these this, um, young professionals, I was talking to them about Jesus. But then after three hours, literally after three hours, I saw them. They were crying. They were crying. And they said, why are you guys, why are you guys crying? I mean, we're just having dinner. We're talking. And they said, bro, we have never heard anyone talk about Jesus this way. And no one ever challenged us to live entirely for him. And, I, and I'm like, why, why not? Is he not worthy? He is. But that's not the Jesus that I knew. And so brothers and sisters, today, today, Today is an opportune time. Let us live for Him. Let us continue to learn how to walk with Him. To live our lives through Him. And the Bible says, whoever claims to be in Him must walk in the same manner in which Jesus walked. Did you guys know that? That you are expected to walk just like Jesus. To live just like Jesus. And again, it's not easy. But it's also not difficult. It's impossible. That's why he helps you. That's why Paul says, for this I labor, I struggle with all his energy that he is working through me. You're not supposed to be living now by your own strength. You're not supposed to be living by your own wisdom. You're not supposed to be living for your own glory, for comfort, for longevity of life. That's not the goal of life anymore. But this is what I see in this place. People are still after all these things that the world is after. And I wonder, have they really received life already? Because if they have, then we, we no longer live. You know, Paul says, um, he, one died for also that all who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him now, who died for us and was raised again. See? He saved us. So we, we could stop living the way other people live. We would stop stop living for the things that other people live for. We would now live entirely and exclusively for Him as His disciples. And we have that opportunity for all eternity. So I'm calling you guys to ponder and reflect. How is your commitment to the Lord? Are you a serious disciple of Jesus? Are you committed to learn to live with Him, for Him, and like Him? Because that's what it means to be a disciple of Him, our great Lord. He is worthy. He is worthy. So let's learn from Him. Let's continue to come to Him and let's recognize, oh, man, this, this thing, I, I don't even have the heart. And that's why the Bible says he gives us a new heart. And when we have this kind of a commitment and love for Jesus, you know what happens? He gives you the ability to love others more. Man, last week or two weeks ago, I was, um, sorry, I said I was going to finish uh, 10 minutes ago, but uh, I just remember this. I, I, I had this interaction with my wife, and uh, I, was, I was irate. I was angry at something that she did. <clears throat> and then, um, but then I was praying afterwards. I said, Lord, Lord what should I do? You know, I, I know I'm, I'm right, and that it's okay for me to, to react this way, to feel this way. And then God was like, if you did not react just like me, then you have to repent of that because that's you. You see? So I said sorry to my wife. No, no more arguing. No more. It doesn't matter who's right, who's wrong. I said I'm sorry because how I treated you is not how Jesus would have treated you. That's what I mean. When you have love for Jesus, when you're living for him, you are now equipped to love others the way you ought to. Your love for him motivates you, compels you to do everything that you do, right? And this is the kind of life that when people see, they would, they would ask, what's, what's up with you? What's wrong with you? What's the matter? What's different about you? Can you tell me? Living lives as witnesses to how worthy Jesus is. Canada needs Jesus, guys. Well, we have to continually show them what he's like through the way we live our lives as well. Right? When we are learning how to walk with him and learning how to walk like him, then that's how we introduce Jesus to the world. We're loving like him. We have the same attitude as him. We serve people like him. That's, those are the things that he expects us to do. Now that we are able to do it because of his presence, his divine empowerment for us. So, superior love for Jesus, exclusive loyalty, and total loss. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. That's the cost of being a disciple of Jesus. And he is worth it. Yeah? Let's continue to love him because he first loved us. Guys, and it's not not about us, not not about what we can do, but what He's done for us, what He wants to do through us. He wants to use us. But we have to start really living for Him. Not just once a week, but every waking moment of our lives is for Him. All your resources is for Him. There's nothing that is, you know, all your time is all for Him. Your energy is all for Him. And whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, right? Well, what do you do it for? You do it for His glory. Yeah? So, I hope I was able to encourage you today. God is good and, he's worth it. and He is worthy. And He desires to continually teach us how to live. And the way to do that is keep looking at Jesus. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and he's the perfecter of our faith, isn't he? And he's gentle. He's patient with us. But he's very intentional. And as his disciples, eventually, he's going to be making disciples through us. He's going to teach others how they can live also in Father God of heaven, Lord, we thank you for this simple time of sharing. Thank you for your words. Thank you for your challenges. Thank you, Lord, for the rebuke, correction, inspiration. Whatever it is you're doing, I'm not entirely sure, Lord, but you know you are speaking to us as your spirit illumines your word in our hearts. Give us hands that are ready to respond in faith, Lord. And help us to say with your servant, Paul, I have been crucified with Christ, and I, I no longer live, but, but Jesus Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the body, I live by faith in him. Every single day I live by faith. Help us, Lord, teach us, so that every morning when we, make, we wake up, we, we bow ourselves out and we bow you in. And we say, Lord, these are your hands. These are your legs. These are your mouth. This is your mouth. You use them for whatever you want to use them for. We would be your vessels. We would be your your channels of, of, of yourself. We shall be your dwelling place as you are continually building us up. So fill us, Lord, with your love. And allow us to discover more the depth of the riches, the grace that you are bestowing upon us every day. Help us to live in you, to live for you, to live through you, to live with you, and to live just like you. I commit to you, my brothers and sisters, um, in uh, this, gathering this community, I pray, Lord, that um, you would continue to reveal yourself to all of us as we press on towards you, to seek you and know you, and love you, and serve you, and live in you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Commander, our Lord and King, who is worthy of it all. In his name I pray, amen. Amen.